Hey everyone, when we originally recorded this episode, we had a segment on the April 24th match against the Houston Dash, and in it, we were critical about the Dash's style of play. Although it was entirely humorous and meant to be all in good fun, we felt it was necessary to remove the segment in light of the recent suspension of Houston coach James Clarkson. Tom and I both stand with the Houston Dash players and the NWSL Players Association in their fight to rid the league of abusive and discriminatory personnel at all levels. Although it's really depressing to see yet another coach fired for bad behavior, hopefully this can be a step in the right direction for the Dash and the league as a whole. With that said, here is our edited Extra Cut. You're listening to Extra Cuts, a special episode of Butchertown Rundown, part of the Beautiful Game Network. Welcome to the Butchertown Rundown, a podcast about the only top-tier professional sports team in the state of Kentucky, Racing Louisville Football Club. My name is Tom Benson. That is Becky Morgan. Becky, how are you doing? Not going to lie, Tom, I could be doing a lot better after that frustrating (laughs) Houston game. That is fair enough. Uh, This is an extra cut. Now, when we, you know, were in the early stages planning this podcast, Becky, I had said that, you know, I really wanted to do a season preview because I kind of, I really enjoy getting into the weeds, into the minutia of the season, you know, who plays, who, when, how much rest is there. And for that, or for that reason, I actually wrote something for flirtalyfc.com for Michael Shaw's great website that where I did a deep dive into the upcoming season. And um, what I was really hoping to do was look back and see if I could find any historical trends in the NWSL so that I could gamble, I could quit my job and become a professional NWSL gambler and <laughs> go through and, and see if I could apply any of those lessons. And, and as I mentioned in that piece, I, I totally failed, but I still got some really good information. I got some really good insight into what I think this season is going to be, where I think the season is going. Uh, you read it. I was wondering, Becky, any thoughts on what I wrote or any thoughts on the upcoming season? I was very impressed by your ability to weave werewolves into the article, (laughs) but seriously, no, uh, the article is great. Definitely go to Florida Lee FC, the blog and check out Tom's article because it does a great job of being truly informative. Like I really learned interesting things about, you know, the number of points the teams need on average in order to make the playoffs. And then he also has, an absolutely hysterical breakdown of ways that racing can get points and win the season that I will not do justice if I try and repeat some of it. So, (laughs) so definitely, definitely go, go check. Well, thank you very much. And I, you know, that's why I always wait to, or why I waited to uh, ask you that until I saw that you were on your third beer of the night. One thing (laughs) I dropped. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Two and a half, two and a half. One thing that I, that I really looked for when I was looking at that is the fact that, you know, that the NWSL season, you know, over the history, you know, some years the league has nine teams, some years the league has 10 teams, some years the league plays 22 games, some years the league plays 20 games. And what is a consistent measure to say, you know, how many points does this team need to get to make the playoffs? Everyone from Coach Bjorkergren to 
every player, they say, this is the goal this year is to make the playoffs. And as I went through that analysis and I went through the history of this team uh, or went through the history of the NWSL, one number that kept coming up to me, and I should say uh, a metric that I worked out what to kind of normalize the data is points taken. So you get three points for a win. If there are 20 games, you have a maximum of 60 points available. So if there are 60 points available and you get 30 points, well, you've had 50% of your points taken. Becky, does that make sense? Perfect sentence. Thank you. It's always tough explaining math. <laughs> and I went through, and since 2013, if you're looking at those teams that are right in the middle of the table, that are right on the edge of where we want to be for our goal of making the playoffs, they're all at about 50% of their points taken. So for us in this upcoming season, we would need to have 33 points. That would be, we're playing um, 22 games, 22 times three, 66, half of that, 33. And as I looked through, I thought that is going to be, on the one hand, it's going to be a challenge. But on the other hand, and this is something that, that I'd ask you, Becky, an analysis or kind of an assumption that I made looking at historical NWSL results is that like, as simple as it is, the better team wins. It doesn't matter how much rest you have. It doesn't matter how much uh, travel you have. North Carolina is probably going to beat Gotham. The Thorns are going to beat the Pride. The OL Reign is going to beat the Dash. The better team wins. And I kind of think that for this upcoming season, if we are the better team, we will find a way to win the games that we need to win. Or am I crazy? And I tend to be someone who doesn't put things into tangibles the way you do and hard numbers and say that we need to get to a certain number because I, I'm going to take a long roundabout way when dis when discussing this. But, you know, you say that we need to get this many points. I worry about putting a hard number on it because I'm afraid that people are going to start being like, well, you know, we've only we only have six or we only have eight mm -hmm. or we only have nine. Mm -hmm. No way we're going to get to 33. And mm. it's going to create that kind of sense of failure before we failed. And that worries me. Yeah. But I also just feel that in a league where it th the margins are so close to what yeah. makes a good team and a bad team it's hard to tell like okay let's just look at the the ch i mean i know we're talking about the regular season but let's yeah. use the the challenge cup as an example why is it that racing could go unbeaten against chicago and kansas city but not beat the dash but the dash could not beat kansas city or chicago so Weird. who's the better team in these scenarios yeah. i mean you would think it's clearly kansas city and chicago because they ended up one and two and yet they couldn't beat us we drew them or we beat chicago once and yet we could not beat the dash some teams are just better teams against other teams and then some teams just don't play well against other teams based on style so yes there are some absolutes that like the rain are a strong team and for whatever yeah. reason do well the, the courage god knows how they've managed to keep their winning ways the spirit are ever so dominant too do you think so becky real quick real quick have we ruled out the occult? Could the courage have made some sort of a deal with the devil? <laughs> Who knows? 
I mean, Who knows? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to rule anything out these days. I, I think that they did a really good job of, of getting players that wanted to prove themselves that were yeah, good point. discarded or not played well on other teams, and that put a fire under them. And I also think that maybe they felt a little uh, more of a willingness to want to prove themselves after they lost yeah. a lot of starters. So I think that's some of the... But I think it's really hard to tell because you're always going to have the un- intangibles or the, the unknowables like... The fact that Angel City beat the Thorns because, let's be honest, the Thorns were ravaged with COVID. I mean, yes, I totally understand the exercise of going through the schedule and picking at teams and areas that are problem areas. And I think that you will be able to guess like 75% what will happen in the outcome. But my God, the reason this is so fun is because there are those unknowns. Yeah, it's like the thing that you love most about the league is also the thing you hate the most about the league, which is the fact that the parody, I mean, that that any given week, a team can beat another team that, you know, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We start off away at Chicago, away at the rain, home against the dive, home against Kansas City Wave, uh, away against Gotham. I mean, five games right there and after that we play kansas city so we'll go six games right there that we that you and i would both say are winnable i mean if mm, we yeah hopefully hopefully i mean we, so well they, the rain winnable. The they're ra- winnable they're you know you, you can get it you know i would feel the rain is going to be tired if they make it to the final well except that game might be postponed to god knows when though because if if they make it to the final of the the challenge cup well i can't speak to the challenge cup but when we play the rain the rain will be on seven days rest so we're going to get the starters for the rain they're going to be at home on the lumen field i would guess that they're not going to be uh sitting anybody there when are they going to be in seven days rest? They're playing on the, we're playing them on the, we're scheduled to play them on the eighth. Uh-huh. They're, they're playing on the fourth and possibly the seventh. Oh, I, for the challenge. Cup. Oh, I didn't put the challenge cup in there. No, you're right. So man, I hope that they're playing on the seventh, although I doubt that'll. No, if they play this, if they get to the final, then the game will be postponed, yeah. which just is even more chaotic because who knows when that's going to be rescheduled. We have no idea. And racing won't know until like, a day before they fly out, whether they're flying across the country to play in Seattle during Derby weekend. <laughs> like that's just so Which, ridiculous honest, on multiple levels. Really though. I mean, I, I hope that they are, I hope the players are in town for Derby. I hope that uh, John Neese gives them exactly. a, I mean, just because uh, selfishly, like I want to see our players wearing their, crazy obnoxious derby outfits next to Aaron Rodgers and Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady and all these other athletes that are at the top of their athletic world, you know, coming to the derby, drinking too much and wearing obnoxious outfits. I mean, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage, right? Even if they don't go to Derby, the I know the league or the team wanted to give them the weekend off so they could just experience the city during Derby yeah. because, you know, it's just a fun. They wanted them to have the week off just to enjoy the festivities because anybody in Louisville knows the the buildup to Derby is a much bigger deal than yes, Derby it itself is. in many, many, many <laughs> ways. So actually, but let's but but back to the schedule. Let's take that rain game out of the equation. First games, Chicago, uh, away at Chicago, home against the dive, home against the wave, away at Gotham. I mean, is there any result there that 
would be crazy. I mean, if you told me that racing wins every game, I could make a case for it. I'd be like, yes. If you told me that racing would lose every game, I wouldn't be happy, but I could intellectually, you know, I could picture it. And Ugh, I don't I mean, want to, but yeah, I mean, that, but that's the thing though. I mean, and I think we have a good, so the thing with racing and you also say this in your article is that we need to win games. We need to have less of these yeah. draws. Racing did a decent job of drawing teams last year and they only got five wins, but they had a decent amount of draws. Um, they have like six or seven of them. Yeah. We can't just draw all these games or we can't draw three of them and lose two we need to get a win in there somewhere. I, I really think we truly do. We can't go through the long swaths of the season without getting a single win like we did. And I think we need to start the season out on a strong, on the strong foot where within the first five games, we get a win somewhere. We need wins. And that was one thing that really disappointed me about the Chicago game in the challenge cup. It wasn't the result itself, or I shouldn't say it wasn't the effort. The, the latest Chicago. I'm sorry. Yes. Where we yeah. where uh, in, in our last pod where we talked about, and I said that it was glass half empty because this team needs, if we want to go to the playoffs, we need to win games. And when you are giving an up, when you're given an opportunity where a team is less than 100% with their ideal starters, you need to jump on that. That was disappointing to me. What worries me about, and I'm going to give a, a glass half empty, then kind of a, you know, I'll come back later with a glass half full. What worries me about this team and this season is that we still got Nadia coming back. We have still got a lot of young players. We've got a new coach. We've got a new system that it is perfectly reasonable for this team to take time to gel and get ready and get to play their best ball. And what worries me is that at the time that that happens, that we have, we're too far gone. We've lost, I don't want to say lost too many games, but we have not won games. And the glass half full of it that I have though, as racing has more games than some where a, a metric that I used was how many games in eight or nine days. Do you have three games in eight or nine days? How many times does that occur? Because if you're doing that, then you definitely need to rotate the squad. And three times this season, racing will have three games in nine days or less. And by the way, uh, if you're listening to this and you want a copy of this spreadsheet, send us a DM to Butchertown R on Twitter. I'll be happy to send you a copy of my spreadsheet. I spent a lot of time with it when my daughter and wife started to watch the X-Files again. And um, I'm, I don't want to say like I'm proud of it, but uh, I've already done the work so you can look at it. But one thing that I feel a lot better about this team is I think we're just a lot deeper. And when we look at our midfield, We've got Captain Marvel, Jay Howell, the Terminator, Freya Olsen. Savannah DeMello is playing great. You also have Love Taylor her. Otto. Yes. So we have players that are really good that I feel good about if we're playing on short rest and we're not able to play our starters. I think that once we get uh, Rebecca Holloway in, um, Chidiak in, I think that that depth, we're going to need it. I mean, these players are going to get minutes and I think that that bodes very well for us 
more so than last year, that when we're playing on short rest, we still have the opportunity to get the win. If we need the draw, we get the draw to make sure that we don't drop points unnecessarily. Last year, when we were on short rest, we had one really good run where we beat Chicago for the first time. Mm-hmm. We won our first away game. We played Houston and we, we lost, we drew Houston or did we beat Houston? I can't remember, but we, we got a result against Houston. We lost to North Carolina and then we beat Chicago all within like seven days and then maybe eight days. Mm-hmm. And then in a really tight schedule, we won the women's cup, but right after that, we did yeah. fall off a cliff and not do very well. So, I mean, there is give and take in that, but again, in the challenge cup this year on our period that had the shortest rest, we drew and won a game. We lost drew and won again. Yeah. So sometimes tight schedules and that tight turn, I actually think works for racing because we're like, Oh, we lost. We're going to come back three days later and we're going to like, we're going to get those damn points. Yes. So, yeah, those are going to be problems. And I think later in the year, it might be more of a problem if, you know, we don't keep our spirit up and if we do have a slow start. But I don't necessarily think they're automatically detrimental to us. Yes, because we are deeper. But two, because for whatever reason, I think we've proven in our short sample size to be a team that does fairly well in a short turnaround. One thing that I mentioned in the article that I wrote for flirtlyfc.com was what I called Hell Week. And this is something that I kind of want to just put into the universe for racing fans to be aware of. At the end of July and the beginning of August, racing plays three home games in a row. On July 29th, we're home against the Thorns. On August the 2nd, we're home against O.L. Rain. Um, And then on August the 5th, we're home against the Spirit. So that is three teams that right now any NWSL fan is going to say, like, they're top of the table. There is a ton of talent. It's going to be end of July. It's going to be the beginning of August. I uh, I am no meteorologist. It's going to be hot. It's going to be miserable, but we as fans need to right now realize like, all right, make your commitment to be at those games, because I think that those are three results like I think we can get. I don't know why, but I feel that, you know, we'll have our knocks. They'll have their knocks. But if we come with a good home crowd and this is not me. This is not me pleading for folks to come in and and see the team. I just feel that those of us that are there. I think that we're going to get treated to something miserable and beautiful at the same time. So I'm calling it hell week, three hot games against three awesome teams that with three good results might see us into the playoffs. I mean, that'll definitely be a formative time for us where we will see what we're made of in a lot of ways. What I'm actually most interested to see is just, slightly earlier than that and mm. it's actually on uh, the july 3rd game against um orlando that we now know is going to be in daytona and the july 8th game against gotham two games that i think theoretically compared to other games like the ones you described yeah. we have a pretty good chance of winning or getting a result however that is during the Concacaf world cup qualifying fifa break or it's just during the the fifa break i can't remember which it is 
but we are almost guaranteed to not have Jalen Howell and Emily Fox. So we're going to be playing teams that we could beat without our two best players, arguably. I mean, Jalen Howell is not close to being our best player yet, but she's getting better and better and better, and she's an important player. She's a very she's important an, player. She's a very important six on the field, even if she's not, like, you know, far and away the most effective yet. But, I mean, God knows that, like nothing good happens when emily's <laughs> not there except i mean we did i don't think she played a single minute in the the uh women's cup final no. so i mean who knows maybe you know these games will give people a shot to play who wouldn't normally and they'll rise to the occasion that's what you can hope for but i am very curious to see how those games go that's my area to look at so really quick becky you had mentioned something to me that you had kind of I think might be very common knowledge in um, women's soccer culture, but for people like me that are new to the NWSL, new to the national team was like kind of uh, mind blowing. You talked about um, 25 caps. 35. 35. Could you uh, you, uh, elaborate on that, please? I hope I got the number right. I'm almost positive it's 35. And I've never maybe this has been in an article, but Kate Markgraf is the the general manager for the women's national team and Vlatko Adonofsky is the, the head coach. And apparently together, the two of them have crunched numbers and determined the, the players that do the best in the World Cup mm-hmm. have had mm-hmm. a certain number of caps. And I believe that number is 35. So, you know, when when you say why is Vlatko playing Emily Fox relentlessly, he knows what he has with her. It's because no matter what the game is, he's doing everything he possibly can to get her as close to 35 caps as possible before the World Cup. So if he's playing her relentlessly, that's a good sign that she has a very good chance or she's potentially already made the World Cup roster. Yeah. If Jalen Howell keeps getting called in, then there's a good chance that she's vying for one a spot more than we maybe necessarily would have thought a few months ago. So, yeah, there is this this attempt to get players that they think are going to be key who are young up to this number of caps really fast since even more urgent because we missed almost a year of play in 2020. So we're almost guaranteed like we're guaranteed to lose Fox in these FIFA breaks and we're we're increasingly likely to lose Howell. You know, when you had told me that, it made a lot of sense because when um, when she was playing against Uzbekistan, I'm like, why why is Emily Fox out there? Uzbekistan doesn't have an attacker that can can threaten us in any way. But then he was like, oh, okay, now I understand. Light bulb going off that we're just trying to uh, Vladko's just trying to increase her caps, get her ready for the World Cup. Look, there is not a single person that has listened to more than one of these podcasts that is going to think that uh, I am not uh, super overrating Emily Fox. Right now, I, th- you know, and Jeff Greer had mentioned it when we talked to him, which Jeff Greer is awesome. Thanks for coming on the pod. I would say that when he said it, it kind of clicked in my mind. It's like, yeah, she's probably one of the three or four best outside backs in the world. But that means that you need to get her ready. If you're Vladko, you need to get her ready for the World Cup. She has the talent. Now you just need to get her the experience. And I think Jay Howell is going to be the same. I think Captain Marvel, I will be surprised if she is not called into national team camp. Because even if you're thinking that she may be on the bench, you want to start getting that cap total up. Because Vladko, Vladko isn't looking, I don't think, to 
lose that national team job anytime soon. I think he would like to have it for the next World Cup or two or three. And if he does, he needs to start getting those caps up for Jay Howell. I won't belabor this point because we're getting off of target a little <laughs> bit in our conversation, but the only reason Jay Howe will stop getting called up is not because she's not a player of the future, but because the midfield is so deep mm-hmm. and the reason she's getting called up right now as much is because there are a lot of injuries. Yeah. Julie Ertz, Sam Mewis, um, Andy Sullivan, who also plays in the six has not been perfectly healthy. So while I am, adamant and will go to my grave adamant you know well hopefully this will be resolved by the time i die <laughs> that jay howell will be a, a a national team central player for a long time she might miss this bit of the cycle in the world cup simply because the midfield is so deep but i think they're urgently getting her in as many games as possible because they there have been so many injuries yeah but if morgan goutreau comes back healthy i think she could work herself back onto the team who knows about what's happening with julie Ertz, you know after her pregnancy but you know fox got there so quickly because she's incredible but because there is not that depth in defenders jay howell also incredible but we'll have more of a delay than Fox did because there are just a lot more midfielders. Now, and going back to what you, what had started this conversation is that, all right, so you've got the June 17th game away against the spirit. That's, you know, is Emily going to sit because that is right at the beginning of the, right before the national team break, the pride game, which apparently will be played on the infield of Daytona. So awesome. Um, that the pride will have some fans at their home games and then the July 8th game home against Gotham, you know, which is coming off of, you know, potentially three national team games. So you're going to look to have a period of time where, Hey, if, if uh, Rebecca Hollowell's folks saw that she signed that contract, Holloway, I'm sorry. uh, Love you, Rebecca, that thought that she was going to sign with racing and not play. No, we need Rebecca to come in. We need her to play well, which honestly, if we were building a statue this week, Becky, I would want to like build a statue for the person in the racing front office that handles green cards. Like we need to get these players over here. We need to get our internationals over here and like, oh, they can't do it. Man, John Neese is a rich dude. Rich dudes can get stuff moved through the government. So let's go ahead, get that green card employee working for or visa or visa. visa. Yes. So that we can get them over here playing and practicing acclimate, acclimate them as quickly as possible. Well, that's definitely the goal. I I don't think there's going to be as much of a holdup with Alex Chidiak, but there were apparently visa issues on the England side for Rebecca Holloway and that's been holding her up. Mm. So excellent. Unfortunate, but we will uh, hopefully see them sooner rather than later. I mean, remember Gemma and Ebony didn't and Nadia didn't come until, you know, a month from now. So we we have time for them to arrive and still make an impact. I know. And that's what worries me. I don't want to say worries, but it's like they were so great. Gemma and Nadia and Ebony, like they made immediate impacts. And when we're looking to say that each game is important, that we need energy to play get acclimated you know a few if a few weeks a few games without those uh, players man i'd rather have them here but um i think we have talked about the schedule we've gone through it uh we've deep dived the games and when they're playing um do you think we missed anything no i think we covered that 
pretty thoroughly but again everybody go back and and read tom's article it really it's informative and funny and highly recommended thank Florida you FC. Florida fc and by the way becky you mentioned it a second ago and I'll, I'll just put it out there like some people uh i went through the schedule and i i grouped games together by saying that you know these are opportunities for racing wins for various reasons and one of the and you know, you kind of, like people joked, like I wasn't taking it seriously. Like I, I was just trying to be funny. Um, and I'm just, that's just not the way I am. Like, for example, when I said that uh, there was a good chance that racing would win the f- ga- four games they play on the full moon because they don't have any werewolves on the team. The fact is, Becky, is that you cannot count on a werewolf to stay on side. They're crazy. They're always going offside. And the way that we rely on the through ball, if you've got a bunch of werewolf forwards, I mean, you're just, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to keep that ball onside. So I, I just want to, to put that out there. But you said we would have the advantage because we have no werewolves. And I just, I'm, I'm confused how you're so certain of that. Cause we have a player that's literally named Jalen Howell. <laughs> Becky. Holy shit, Becky, like, I thought that we had defined roles here. Like, I am the dad. Like, like I've got my kid. I'm the one that busts out with the dad jokes that you're, you're killing me with, like, the Jalen Howell reference. That was, that was really good. She has a puppy now, though, by the way, so... I know I mentioned him. I was very sad that she played the Houston game and to, to and be away from him, and now it seems that, like... Every other player in racing has been posing with him, but Jalen Howell. So I'm actually concerned that Jalen Howell, in fact, no longer has a puppy and that it instead belongs to the entire team. I think that it's more along the lines of like rookie hazing that, you know, she's a rookie (laughs) and, you know, you've got like Nadia and Freya and they're like, no, rookie, you can have the puppy at night when uh, he's crying and needs to go out. But when he's being adorable and cuddly, no, you give her you give that puppy to the senior members of the team. But he was with uh, Newsav and Neely. I mean, Neely's not a rookie, but today, so. Neely was on the team last year, so not a rookie, but no, that's a good point. I don't good know. Point, good point. Well, good this point. Is a, so, um, Butchertown Rundown listeners, this is something that we will be following the status of Jay Howell's puppy. <laughs> and potentially Amina Ekage's puppy. Is it her family's puppy? Is it her puppy? We don't know. More news to come. Oh, we'll definitely have more news to come. Well, this is not the first time that we have talked about this season. In our very first podcast, Becky, we had new season's resolutions. And I went back and I, I know you did it. I went back and listened to the first episode that we had done and uh, first thing I'd like to do is apologize to any listeners that that listen to that podcast because, man, I was so breathy. Oh my gosh, how could you even listen? <sighs> so, you changed your headset. Uh, yes, I, changing the headset was a was a good move. So I apologize for that, and hopefully we've got that fixed. But I also thought that we talked about some things that still make sense for how we are, you know, how we see this season. So Becky, what did you think about some of those new season resolutions we had and whether you've changed your opinion on them? So I'm going to go through and just list them to give everybody a refresher so they know what we're going to talk about ahead of time. The main points that we brought up uh, were that we hoped for a better goal differential than last year and just more goals in general. And that was also tied into the fact that we wanted fewer shutouts. We got shut out so often. I think something like close to 30% or over 30% of yeah, our it was over 
was, was it like 39 percent yeah, it was like an insanely it was, a surprisingly it was like close to 40 percent i want to say yeah of of we were shut out a huge portion of our games last season so we want fewer of those we want to score off corners and set pieces tom had the great phrase three levels of swagger he yeah. wants to have attitude on every line instead of just kind of you know pensive not really sure what we're doing across the lines and then like you know gem in the back being like go do this so three lines of swagger we wanted um leadership to really take hold and tom said that he wants the team to be kentucky's team not just louisville's team so those were all the things we talked about already i have to say i almost wonder if our expectations were too low because Mm. we haven't made perfect progress and obviously this is a small sample size so a lot can change in the regular season but we've already at least started checking the box in my opinion in every single one of these We have a better goal differential. We were at the far bottom of the league in um, in uh, the end of last season, Mm -hmm. and we just ended the Challenge Cup with a positive goal differential. It was only one, but hey, when you were like negative twenty or something crazy like that last year, you know what? Positive one is pretty good. Hey, think about goal differential is like bank account. There's a big difference between having a dollar and being negative a dollar so being being exactly. positive up exactly. like we're, we're good I, and i agree with you that the goal differential is really good one thing that i feel and the numbers kind of back it up but my eye test backs it up a ton is just feeling better on corner kicks both taking oh, yeah. and defending now that you you know there's no reason to go uh discuss what you talked about earlier in houston I think that, um, you know, that's a lesson that's going to be learned on, on that corner, but, but by and large, they look so much better on corner kicks. And honestly, when you, okay. Oh, what? what? <laughs> Sorry, that brings up something else that I have to bring yes. up. Okay, that I didn't include. Wait, now we've, we've, me... we've released it into the universe. I mean, is it, is it coming back? <laughs> no, this is the last bit okay. I have to release. It made me so angry because they actually did a practice set kick where it looked like Amina and Sav, I hope I get this right, Amina and Sav were like lined up exactly the way they did when they scored Amina's goal against um, Mm -hmm. Chicago. And instead of going and lofting it, Amina went and then she took a short kick to Sav DeMello around the wall and then Sav took a shot and it was a good shot. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it went slightly over the bar, but... Allie Wagner, the commentator, was like, you need to save those special set pieces for the regular season. No reason to waste them in the Challenge Cup. What? what? Why wouldn't you practice them now? What? It's not like I, that creep. It makes more chaos and people are less sure of what you're going to do if you come with different <laughs> set piece attacks. So I was actually thrilled to see that clearly we're actually practicing what to do in set pieces we actually have strategy oh and tactics God. showing now i gotta say though so, it's like sorry a, i had to no ooh, that is fair although my your criticism of ali watt is hilarious though because it's so strategic wagner, like, wagner. Wagner. i'm sorry ali wagner is like i love ali watt she is a player for the ol reign and even though she's a not on our team she's a she's a good player shout so out to no, ali watt no misspeaking but ali, ali watt. but ali wagner's like 
like you're you're the commentator like you're supposed to be hyping us up to watch this game why would you take that set piece i don't know why would you watch this game when it doesn't even count in the regular season (laughs) come on like let's get a little excitement for this uh fake made-up preseason trophy anyway though like the (laughs) the they have looked so much better on set pieces they have looked so much better on corner kicks and really when you look at like their 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 wingers their midfielder wingers where you know right now lauren malay who michael shaw pointed out in one of his pieces that you know coach bjarkagrin may have more confidence in lauren malay than he does in anybody else and the minutes that she is playing would justify that opinion so then on the other side you've got kirsten davis potentially uh fighting with amina ekic and taking that goal out taking Amina's Glazo out of it, she is still delivering better set piece kicks than anybody else on the team. Absolutely. And I mean, she she is making as much of a case for her inclusion in the starting 11 on set piece kicks as with anything she's doing on the field, which isn't taking away from from what she's doing on the field, but she is just that part of her game has grown so much and really maybe the best on the team. I agree. And, but at the same time, you know, Davis also is the player who's most consistently getting in the box and, and really being deadly, which is like another thing I wanted players actually getting in yep. on the attack and getting in on the, uh, in, into the box. And with the exception of the first half of the Houston game, I think we've been doing that really successfully which kind of ties into another thing. It's funny, in our podcast, we talked about like the leadership that we wanted mm-hmm. and we named Nadia Nadim, Jessica McDonald, um, Gemma Bonner. That's not that surprising. But then we also said like, oh, maybe you could be a rookie <laughs> like Emily Fox. So yep. I mean, okay, I guess we were actually pretty spot on. So listen to our podcast because apparently our, our predictions <laughs> are on in some things. You know, the great thing, the, the great thing about making like, 15 predictions is like you get one right and it's like what's up like we got to like drop the mic we have done it and exactly the others... and we're going to bring it up ever for the whole rest of the season <laughs> exactly but no, right. how right we were exactly but we the other really 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 big thing for me is that so far we've had fewer shutouts we've only been shut out once and that shutout was a draw mm-hmm. We've managed to score in every game. That is so rare for us. And okay, we've only played Chicago, Houston, and KC. Who knows what we'll look like against other teams and other divisions that are very, very different. But this is a very positive development for me, considering we were shut out of three, 50% of our mm-hmm. first six games, I believe, in last season. So only one out of six is a stark improvement. You know, you can't you can't talk about the parody of the league and everything you're saying is right. And you want to like couch it and like, I don't know, like, how are we going to do against, you know, the rain? How are we going to do against Portland? What's the wave going to look like? Um, Well, we know what the wave is going to look like, Um, you know, just somebody actually waving. But when you, (laughs) they've done pretty well, actually, like everybody good. Everybody in this league is good. Everybody in this league can beat you. But the flip side of that is that when you have positive results, like don't, you know, you don't need to hide behind them. You don't need to put asterisks. Like a good result against Chicago is a good result. You know, a good result against um, KC. KC is, 
is much improved from last year. They are getting they're they are I don't want to I don't want to sound uh, you know like I'm being negative towards them. It's like they're trying to buy themselves a winner this year. You know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't with injuries, but they want to be relevant in their marketplace yesterday. And so you get a result against a team that is trying to win. Like there's no shame in that. I mean, so we, no, we beat them three zero at home. Ooh, take that. Their, take their, that. Their first home game ever in that stadium. And we, uh, we beat them. So I don't know. I'm a, uh, there are on the one hand, I feel, I don't want to say scared, but you look and you think like, holy crap, like going up to play the spirit. That's a, I mean, it, first of all, it's a spooky thought because they are a fantastic team. You talk about three le- layer, uh, three levels of swag. They've got it. On the flip side, when we hosted the championship game and uh, my family went to that, there was a spirit fan that sat like two seats over from us. And all throughout the game, she would say, let's go spirit just randomly. And every time she said that something good would happen for the spirit. Uh, so in my household over the last year, occasionally someone will just say, let's go spirit. So every, so I'm like, <laughs> while I respect them, I can't fear them as much because I just hear that sing song chant in my head. And she was just <laughs> like, she was just doing it on her own. I mean, she, it, it was a, a chorus of one, um, but you talk about three levels of swag. They've got it. I mean, new ownership, they're good. North Carolina made a deal with the devil. They're good. Um, you've got strikers on the West Coast. Um, racing Louisville legend uh, Kristen Press is going to be awesome. I mean, <laughs> like there is not a there is not an easy. Ga- that's another thing that that struck me as I did my deep dive into the schedule is there is not an easy team on the schedule. You need to show up every week. You need to show up every week and play great every game to have a shot, which is kind of terrifying, but it's also kind of awesome. But it's terrifying the way a roller coaster is terrifying when you go on it for the first time, right? Yeah. Like it's all anticipation. You don't know what it's really going to be like. You're you're scared, but you know, once it actually starts happening, maybe you'll I don't know, get a crick in your neck and not find <laughs> it fun or feel nauseous and the result will be bad, but maybe it's going to be the most exhilarating ride you've ever taken in your life and you don't know until you're actually on it and the ride's done. And that's why we love this because this is an exciting roller coaster of yeah, a league. You really don't know what turns and twists are ahead of you. And that is why it's so enjoyable. It is. And I remember um, when I lived in Cincinnati, they had a, the Reds had a player named Scott Rowland and he, they were coming up on a big game and a, you know, against a rival, I want to say like the St. Louis Cardinals or whatever. Uh, and the sports writer had asked, just throwing him a softball question, say like, Hey, you got a big game coming up, Scott. And he said, you know what? It's a big 162, 162 games in the season. And, wh- and what he said, and I didn't get it at the time, but I totally get it now, is that like, yes, at that moment, winning that game was important, but no single game is worth more than another game that, you know what? We could go, oh, and four, we could lose the first four games, but that doesn't mean that that fifth game is more important. You know what? You just grind it out. We take it game by game. Like the players will take it game by game. We can, of course, overreact with with awesome wins. But each week, each game, we've got a chance to win. We've got a chance to compete and play against one of the best teams in the world. And as I look at the schedule, Morgan, like honest to God, 
I don't see a game that we can't win. Now, is it one where I'm like, like we're going to go to Portland and beat the Thorns? No, but like, I like it's not crazy to think that we show up and Kirsten Davis goes nuts or that Jess McDonald breaks loose or that Emily Fox breaks loose or that uh, new Sav and uh, Captain America or Captain Marvel Jay Howell shut down the midfield and we can't come away with one. Like, it's not crazy to think about it. We, we could win any game on our schedule. No, we absolutely could. That's what makes it exciting. And so I want to ask you with that thought in mind, we were talking about predictions and resolutions. Mm-hmm. We have now talked about how the progress that we've made in resolutions so far. Do you still feel like these are the resolutions we need to work on throughout the season? That's my first question. Mm-hmm. And my second question is how confidently can you say we are a better team than we were last year and we will have better results. So your, the second question is a softball, which I appreciate. I feel hundred percent confident that we're a better team. I feel hundred percent confident that we're going to have better results. I think that even, first of all, I think that we're going to be fighting for a top six spot. I think we're going to be right up there, but even if we're not, even if for some reason there's, freakish circumstances uh that the Injuries. season breaks against us oh rebecca we need to no we can we don't <laughs> we can't say that no we cannot even say that word uh, okay i'll bleep it out thank you thank you even so like we're playing so much better we look so much better the only way that i would feel that this team is worse is if towards the second half or the end of the season it looks like their competitive fire is broken where they're where you look at them and they show up and you look like just in the first minute they look like they are expecting to lose that is the only way that i would think that this team has not progressed past last season so we've got more talent we've got more organization we've got better coaching with shout out to uh coach mario who helmed the ship the second half of the season last year but i think that all signs are to be optimistic for better results now to your first question which was do we have the same resolutions oh that's good what do you think i want to keep most of them i feel confident with leadership i feel confident with swagger and especially like Mm. did you see how you know just how sad has been handling herself on the field you know for the midfield and you know, when Nadia's in there and how Jay's attitude is, you know, I think we got the swagger down there. Just like McDonald, yeah. the front line, we, we, we're, we're in good shape. So those, I think, are more or less resolved. I, yeah. We need to maintain our gold differential. We need to maintain not being shut out so often. We need to maintain scoring more goals mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. Yep. So I do want to keep those at least, you know, those those need to be... And well, we need to also maintain continuing to do better on set pieces. I want to see more set piece goals. I don't want to say just because we scored one or no, I think we've scored off four set pieces now. One corner and I think three set pieces total across both years. But only one of those was last year. So that is a market improvement in just six games. Yes. So yes, I, I think those are really the keys to showing that we've had some tangible improvement. You know, like even if we don't, God, I don't want to like put the bar on the floor. 
but I think the big success, like if we have to talk about like what success looks like in the regular season, success looks like more wins. Yeah. Success looks like more points. Yep. Success looks like being higher in the standard, uh, higher in the standings. Mm-hmm. On the lower end of that, the low end of success. So I guess that what acceptable would be is still losing games, but not being shut out as much. You yeah. know, getting more points, ending with a positive goal differential, even if we don't make the playoffs, even if we're not much higher in the standings, I will still take these things as success as successes and small steps forward. Not the big step I want to take, not the solid step, but it's still a step forward. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is that I still don't really want to add any more resolutions myself. I want to stick with those yep. those three because I just think that they're the key to really measure how we are truly doing as a team. One uh, resolution that I made that I want to kick out the door just because it was, I've learned so much doing this podcast was I mentioned that I wanted this team to be Kentucky's team, not just Louisville's team. And one thing that I've learned from, you know, what we've seen with this podcast And I understood why I said it. Like, I can look back and say, like, yes, everything I said, I agree with and I believe. Because on on just a very bare bones level, you know, Angel City is getting, like, crazy crypto money. Like, we need Northern Kentucky businesses to sponsor this team. We need Bowling Green businesses to sponsor this team. We need Lexington businesses to pay to get their names on the signboard for this team. Like, that is something that, for the long-term health of this team, we need. But one thing I've noticed with this podcast, Becky, is, like, we get kind of interesting statistics And are we getting listeners from Louisville? Yes. Are we getting people that are downloading us from Kentucky? Yes. Um, Are we getting downloads from places that very likely are players' parents? Yes. Yes. Shout out Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. But we are also getting downloads from all over the United States and all over the world in a way that... I mean, I'm not going to say it's humbling because people aren't tuning in. People aren't downloading to listen to you and me. People love this team. People want to listen to racing and we are, we are out there, but I keep thinking back to, I keep thinking about how here in Louisville, there is a group of Liverpool fans and every Saturday or Sunday, whenever Liverpool has a match that's telefied, they all go to Molly Malone's, which is a local bar, and they start drinking at like seven in the morning to watch the game. And there are fans all over this country that would like to do the same for racing. Like there are racing fans all over this country, all over this world, people that love this team, that are being introduced to this team. If you are listening to us from Nashville, thank you. We are with you. We are all racing fans. If you are with us in uh, Texas, first of all, great job choosing not to be a dive fan, but like, welcome to this team. If you are listening to us from any place that is not in Louisville, not in Kentucky, thank you for joining us. And we can build, and we are building a pretty cool community here that is bigger than Louisville, that is bigger than Kentucky, that is, you know, is 
is anyone going to say that racing Louisville fans are as big as, you know, Manchester United fans? Of course not. I'll say this, like when Manchester United got started, it was just a few hundred folks, just like we're just getting started and we have just a few hundred folks. So that's something that has been a very cool revelation for me. I agree. I was really surprised by how widespread the the listenership has been from this show and how consistent some of the listenership from you know abroad and uh, across the the country has been too and i mean i think the thing to me is that i just want the fan base of the team to grow in general like and and just to you know you say it's kentucky's team i mean more so than sponsors because i actually think we're doing pretty good financially compared to a lot of teams um we need to get fans from northern kentucky excited to have like watch parties to to start coming to and getting like four game ticket packages and to grow the team that way because you know right now racing still has the the small social media following of any nwsl team really wow oh yeah by a by a large margin Uh. and it's it's a double-edged sword or it's it's both important and not because the pride have over a hundred thousand Twitter followers, but get like 3000 people to each game. We've done consistently better than that. And we have like 24 K Twitter followers. The thing is Becky though, it's like really, I mean, to defend the pride, it's really hard to sell a ticket to a Russian and or porn bot. No, they, they have legitimate fans. Come on, don't be too. No, mean to I them. no. Like of the hundred thousand, I mean, no. It's uh, I've got. Well, yes. they're just a more established team that had superstars yeah. on them, and that's how it is on a lot of other You're teams. Right. We don't have that that superstar draw, but at the same time, like those aren't fans that can regularly, yeah. you know, they're Marta fans in Brazil that aren't going to come and sit in your stadium. Yeah, that's a racing good point. as as Jeff has talked about. You know, we do need to focus not, absolutely that everybody who listens to us across the country is going to be like, screw you, Becky. But no, we need to concentrate on our Kentucky fans because we, we need to continue to grow our attendance and we need to continue to grow our dedicated fan base that is going to buy tickets. Because mm. more than anything, more than any sponsorship, that is going to determine the longevity of this team. Yeah. And by the way, for any Pride fans or people that are Pride leaning fans, um, I got nothing but love for you. If it, if anything, you know my my feelings about the Orlando Pride. Well, I'll mention before we play them here in a in a few weeks. But and I will go the other way with you though slightly though. Um, you know what? There's no reason that um, fans in Tulsa, Oklahoma, can't form a watch party. And you know, do it for the team, yes, but do it for yourselves, do it for each other. Like it's, it's a fun team to follow. I don't know, like Becky, if we got, if we had the privilege of doing this podcast for another year or years, it will be interesting to think back, to look back, uh, you know, a few years into the future at, at where we are now and what we thought about, well, you know, the fan base, you know, where people coming from and the things that are concerning now, whether it would be something that like, yes, we were right to worry or whether it's under the category of, you know what, everything worked out for the best. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, it's just so much I fun. I think everything's going to work out for the best, no matter what. It's just the road it takes. I just don't, I don't see racing doing 
poorly. I they might not either. be they're not going to be second in the league in attendance again, but I, I think they're going to do fine. And they're going to do fine because our ownership wants us to do fine because the we actually have owners who don't have racing as an afterthought yeah. to our men's team or as like what they consider charity to just own a team and and prop it up just for the sake of like an inspiration for little girls. Uh, we have uh, even uh, if it takes a while, we have ownership who actually wants to have a winning sports team and they want a, an established team and one of the things that they said a lot last year is even if the NWSL collapses in 10 years, there's going to be a women's team in Louisville playing in the top tier of soccer. And there's no question about that. So not, not all teams can say they have that level of support. So that truly is, I think the difference maker for racing. And I, you know, do I think that uh, the NWSL is going to fold? No. Do I think that not after last year, if they, if they survived that, I think they're pretty, they're going to last. Oh my gosh. I like, I just think that at some point in the next few years, we're going to win a trophy. And we'll look back at this and the this front this season, and it will be just a fun part of the rise with with what we're coming up against. Every game is winnable. Every game is one that you might not win, but we're looking at just a fun, fun ride. And I'm looking forward to it, Becky. Do you think we've covered it all? I think we have definitely covered it all. And the last thing I have to say is we hope that we will see you guys on Thursday at the Jersey reveal. Very exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing what our new away kit will look like quite a bit this Thursday, six to eight at Noble Funk Brewery. Is that correct? That is correct. This was fun, Becky. Let's do it again. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good.